Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, what's up? Hi, you guys. Hey, what is up? What's going on? Thanks for coming along on this gorgeous Wednesday afternoon, just fabulous out there. Uh, these are the days, Kath. I'm looking, you know, everyone's sort of like plays weatherman in these these weird days we li- we're living in because it's going to change on a dime. And it looks like uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday, temperatures like 80 degrees. Oh, my gosh. I love it And so then much. on Saturday, things will start to plunge. Oh, no. Listen, I was um, out on Monday. Yeah. And I heard a woman say, I am so sick of 80. <laughs> what? Really? And I looked at her like she was an alien oh life gosh. form. No. I thought, I could, I could live 80 is my ideal. Sounds good to me. I mean, I think, isn't that why people move to San Diego? Right? I think it's always like 75 and, and sunny. And low humidity. And they get tired of it. I guess you would. You oh, know, I, would, I've ne- I will never yeah. get tired of 80. I just want you to know that. And 80 is great, but the continued sunniness. Is, I know. It's like it's too much. And today no, look, was wonderful. kind of like a dull day. Yeah. And then a half hour ago, the sun Boom, came out here out. in Parkway Center, and it's so beautiful. Yeah. So it's good. It's really, really good. I just want to encourage you. Uh, I said to my wife, let's go out to dinner on Friday night, and we'll just sit somewhere that's outside. <gasps> oh, is And like sort of yes. bit of dew, too. Isn't that? I, it feels feels like summer. I have eaten outside pretty much like every day. Even at home. I, I just have to. Yeah. Because I'm just soaking it up. Although the mosquitoes are out late at night. you got to be careful about that. We went out for dinner the other night, ate outside on a patio. Yeah. But it wasn't good. Why? We had a bad dinner. What? You had a bad we dinner? Did, like the food was bad? I'm not going to talk about it. Yep. Not going to slam it on the air. All right. Okay. No, please don't. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. You get excited to hey. have a dinner out on a patio. It wasn't good. For all you know, they might have like one guy back in the kitchen. Right? See, now you make me feel bad I'm just for saying I'm telling you that's what good. it is. And I'm allowed to have an opinion, yeah, right? I'm not I mean, slamming you, but I, you know, for all you know, they might be struggling. And, well, you I was know. sick yesterday. I come back, and this is how I'm received. <laughs> that's what it is. Hey, what's up is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. As we always do, we get underway. Kath presents us with the top news stories of the day. I do. And why should today be any different? Mm-hmm. Kath, would you please give us the top four at four? Coming at you. For Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. Number one. Hollywood's Captain Kirk, 90-year-old William Shatner, blasted into space this morning. I love it. In a weird convergence of science fiction and science reality. Reaching the final frontier aboard a ship built by Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin Company. According to the AP, the Star Trek hero and three fellow passengers soared an estimated 66 miles over the West Texas desert in the fully automated capsule. Then they safely parachuted back to Earth in a flight of just over 10 minutes, making Shatner the oldest person in space, eclipsing the previous record by eight years. Mm-hmm. He looks great, doesn't he? He looks terrific. He's he really 90. Does. Yeah, he looks great. Uh, yeah. This is a pinch me moment for all of us to see Captain James Tiberius Kirk go to space. So said the Blue Origin launch commentator Jackie Cortese before liftoff. She said she, like so many others, were drawn into the space business because of shows like Star Trek. Of course. Shatner said ahead of the countdown that he planned to spend his approximately three minutes of weightlessness gazing down at Earth, his nose pressed against the capsule's windows. Quote, the only thing I don't want to see is a little gremlin looking back at me. He joked, referring to the plot of his 1963 Twilight Zone episode. Also a classic. I don't know that one. 
I, you know, I don't know that show. Oh, it's a I've great never seen show. it. Not oh, it's a streaming. single time. Please do yourself I feel a badly favor. about not knowing it. Yeah. Bezos is a huge Star Trek fan. The Amazon founder had a cameo as an alien in one of the later Star Trek movies. And did you know that William Shatner rode free as his guest? Oh, I did not. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, Shatner starred in Star Trek from 1966 to 1969. Very short. Very short. Thing, but major impact on his, on his life. Number, number two. Louisiana's Audubon Zoo is joining a list of other zoos and aquariums across the U.S. vaccinating resident animals mm. against COVID-19. All right. Mm-hmm. Sure. According to CBS News, the vaccine was developed by the company Zoetis and is specially made for animals. The company has donated more than 11,000 doses to zoos, conservatories, etc. across 27 states. Mm. Uh, it's still considered experimental. That's still classification by the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture. But they're going to give it to ostriches. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at the New Orleans-based zoo, the vaccine is first being given to gorillas and orangutans. Mm. The organization also planning to vaccinate cats and mustelids, including otters, at both the zoo and at the Audubon Aquarium of the Americas. Now listen to this. They will not be put under anesthesia to be vaccinated. They have been trained to sit, stand, or present their bodies to staff. Present? Really? <laughs> Here's my arm. Really? And when you say cats, you mean like a, you know... Lion. Tiger. Exactly. Know. Not, not like your not household Not like Gus feline. and Char. Oh. In June, California's Oakland Zoo became the first zoo to give the vaccine to animals, including tigers, black bears, grizzly bears, mountain lions, and ferrets. Yeah. In January, three gorillas at San Diego's zoo contracted COVID. Two lions right here in Pittsburgh tested positive in April. And a tiger and snow leopard in New York and Kentucky have also contracted. Okay. Number three. You seem to want me to get off that story quickly. <laughs> Penn's kicked off the 21-22 season in the right way last night in Tampa, winning a 6-2 victory over the Stanley Cup defenders. With Crosby sidelined as a result of off-season surgery to his left wrist and Malkin and Gensel both out too, the Penn still looked really good. Tristan Jari made 26 saves on 28 shots, and wait till you hear who scored. You ready? Simone, Rodriguez, Heinen, Bluger, Rust, and Boyle. Not the names you are used to hearing. I like it. What, there were several empty like net it? goals, right? I like it. I fell asleep. No, I did not fall asleep. I was asleep mm. when the game started and slept through the whole thing. Right. But there were several empty just, just There was three. Great. Okay. Number four. And today, in sports history, and particularly in Pittsburgh sports history, Bill Mazeroski opened the bottom of the ninth with a home run off Ralph Terry of the hated Yankees. To give the Pirates the World Series. Let's go Bucks. October 13th, 1960. The uh, shot, 3.36 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. That's your top four. four. Very nice. It's sad that, you know, we're commemorating that because it's more than 60 years ago. Yeah. And that's really all we have with the Pirates. That's not all we have. Memories. We have memories. Memories. We've had a lot since 1960. But you know what I'm saying? We're living on you know, sort of thin fumes well, of 61 well, like, years ago. that's no news to any of us, for crying yeah, out loud. Saying. It's a disaster here in Pittsburgh. All righty, anyway, that's enough on it. We have a terrific show coming up today. I want to let you know that the Ride Home is streaming live on YouTube at the word Pittsburgh. So if you'd like to watch the show, we would love to welcome you Yeah, to watch it. Say hey. To say hi. You can put your name in the comment. And, might I say, our past appreciation luncheon, that the window is closing for you to sign up. That's coming up next Tuesday. It is. We'll be there. So uh, you, uh, if you're a senior pastor or an associate pastor, you and your spouses can attend for absolutely free. We'll be there as well. Wordfm.com is the place to go to sign up. All right? In our 5 o'clock hour, David French coming up, senior editor at The Dispatch. Coming up next, No Way to Treat a Child, How the Foster Care System, Family Courts, and Race.
racial activists are wrecking young lives. We'll talk about that next. Naomi Riley. 101.5 WORD. Hey, I'm Keith Stevens. Join Donna Cruz and me this weekend for Keep the Faith. Andy Andrews opens up about the value of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. We treat it like an emotion, which is why it drags us around like a dog on a leash. But when we decide to forgive, our emotions eventually follow our decisions and we, our spirits are free. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith Saturday night at 10 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Word FM presents our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Greentree. A free event open to all senior and associate pastors and their spouses. Come experience a day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker, Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. Reservations are required. To attend, reserve your free tickets now at wordfm.com pastors. I can't tell you how many good and faithful people I know who have spent decades being foster parents. And in that process, they've had one, five, ten, or more children come and stay with them, be part of their family for sometimes months, sometimes years even. So it's weird to think about the foster system being under attack. But the, the case is, it really is true in this weird age that we're living in. Again, I'll use the word three times. Everything is weird. Well, uh, Naomi Schaefer-Riley is with us, and she's written a really interesting piece to talk about the foster system. No way to treat a child, how the foster care system, family courts, and racial activists are wrecking young lives. Naomi is with us now. Hey, Naomi. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks so much for having me. Sure. So, Naomi, let's start at the beginning. If we're thinking about the foster care system, um, and maybe this is an obvious question or a rhetorical question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who should who should be the focus of the system? Who should we be trying to care for? So you would think that that was an obvious question, but in fact, it's, it's not to a lot of people. Obviously, we should be looking out, most importantly, for the best interest of the child. Unfortunately, our foster care system and the child welfare system as a whole seems these days to be more oriented around the needs and desires and sensibilities of adults. It's quite incredible. How does that even happen? What does that mean? Can you dig yeah, what down does that into look that? Like? Sure. So, I mean, one thing that happens is, you know, you mentioned that, you know, people who foster children for years. The foster care system is supposed to be temporary. It's supposed to be a temporary place that that people that children can go to be safe for for a brief amount of time. And we even have a law, federal law in the books that says if a child has been in care for 15 of the last 22 months, then we're supposed to be moving to sever parental rights because that's way too long to be in a temporary system. Um, Unfortunately, the average amount of time that kids spend in foster care is 20 months. In some states like New York, it's 30 months. And there are kids who stay in the foster care system for years after years after years. Um, And that is all so that we can accommodate the adults in their lives. We feel bad for the biological parents who often have mental illness problems, substance abuse problems. And so we keep sending the kids back time and time again and say, here, here's another chance. But how long should these kids have to wait for their parents to clean up their act? Right. So, I mean, any idea, uh, numbers of kids who are currently in foster care systems across the country? Sure. There are about 440,000 kids in the foster care system right now, and about 600,000 children over the course of the year will be removed from their home and spend some time in foster care. Wow. And, and of those 400 or to 600,000, how many of those kids will eventually find a permanent family? So a lot of those kids will end up going back, like I said, to their biological family. But a quarter of those kids are actually, um, their parental rights have already been severed and they are eligible for adoption. A lot of those kids who remain in the foster care system for long periods of time are older kids, kids in large sibling groups, kids with mental or behavioral health problems. And it's really hard to find them adoptive homes, unfortunately. Um, But a lot of faith-based institutions and churches are really stepping up to do that work now. Okay, so let's talk about faith-based institutions and how what the what the communication or um, I guess my question is: Are there is there a partnership between faith-based institutions or faith-based people and the foster care system? There absolutely is. In fact, I would say that churches and other faith-based institutions have launched a kind of revolution in foster care and adoption in the last. 10 years or so, uh, they've really remade the system in a lot of ways. You know, they recognize that the way we used to recruit foster families, you know, putting up a picture of a child on the nightly news was not a very effective way to get people to volunteer. And so instead, in many large churches now, you have pastors who will say, you know, these are the six kids in our zip code who need a home tonight. And that is a much more immediate, urgent uh, message that people are hearing. They've also really changed the way we train foster families instead of just offering them advice about about, you know, how many fire extinguishers they need in their house, um, they're really getting into things like trauma-informed care to give families the tools that they need in order to take care of these kids who have experienced a lot of pain in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, talk to us about the, the, um, the, um, 
financial aspect of the foster care system. Now, unfortunately, I mean, of course, when money's involved, people can use it for nefarious ends. There have been stories where people go, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, the system's rigged in some way. I'm going to take foster care kids into my home, one or two or more, and I'm going to get a monthly check from the system, and then, you know, I'm going to be okay for a while. It's my means of keeping myself alive and not necessarily caring for the kids. Yeah, it's really unfortunate the way people have come to abuse the system. But in some ways, I think that one fix for this is really kind of trying to get more middle-class Americans to volunteer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not to say that poor people can't love vulnerable children, too. But if you're thinking about what, what would be a good home for a traumatized child, if a family is worried about where their next rent check is going to come from, you know, that's a pretty unstable environment for a kid who's already experienced a lot. Right. So I think we really need to have a push to get middle-class, stable families into the system so we are not left with this kind of people who are just doing it out of desperation because they want the money. Naomi Schaefer Riley's with us, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Um, she has written all over the place. She's been a former columnist for the New York Post, worked as at the Wall Street Journal as an editor and writer, the author of six previous books, but the one we're talking about today is No Way to Treat a Child, How the Foster Care System, Family Courts, and Racial Activists are Wrecking Young Lives. Um, so what about this um, recruitment you're talking about? Middle class people looking at the foster care system and saying, yeah, th- this is a place that I can serve. This is a, a place I can fit in. Now, that that's not a, that's not a common thing that we hear in American culture. How do you think that that could be worked out? How Do you have any ideas for how that could be implemented? Sure. Well, there are a couple things to keep in mind. First of all, a lot of people actually do think about fostering, but you should know that half of foster families actually quit within the first year. And the reason that they quit, I think, is if you look at surveys, we ask people these questions. One of the reasons that they quit is the way the system treats them. As difficult as the children are and as difficult as fostering can be, it is the way they are treated by family courts and child welfare agencies. They're they're treated like glorified teenage babysitters. You know, caseworkers will drop off kids at their house without giving any kind of medical history. Um, you know, they will drop off kids without mentioning that they have a history of sexual abuse. Um, it's it's very difficult to be treated this way, and okay. And so is that just an organization? Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is that just an organizational <laughs> problem, Naomi? Is that just you know someone can't get the paper that talks about the kids' background into the hands of the foster parents, or is it lack of training? I think it's both a lack of training, a lack of organization, but also a sense that foster parents are really not someone that, that we care that much about. We can treat badly because, you know, they're just they're just sort of a temporary stopping place. And a lot of agencies do not train their caseworkers to treat foster families well. Um, and that, that example is also set in court. You know, these are the families who have seen these kids day in and day out. And when it comes to going to court hearings about their custody, the foster parents will show up and often a judge will say, I'm not interested in what you have to say. Sit down. And to be treated like that after caring for a child day in and day out, I just think is so disheartening for these families. I see. Uh, Now, I mean, talk to us, please, about racial activism, because this is a a new wrinkle in the foster care system where families are, uh, you know, bringing foster children in of color and all of a sudden they're being targeted as somehow discriminatory. Yeah, this is absolutely shameful. Um, But you can't really talk about the child welfare system these days without somebody accusing the whole system and even families who adopt interracially of being racist. Um, So the claim is that the system is structurally racist because we remove a disproportionate number of black children from their homes. 
What they don't tell you is that a disproportionate number of black children are actually being abused and neglected in this country. In fact, black children are three times as likely to die from maltreatment as their white peers. And so we are offering this protection service. It is called child protection for a reason. We need to give these kids a safe haven. And even if it means that our you know, spreadsheet columns don't come out even, we still need to be providing that service. And it is horrifying to me the way that we have, you know, really talked about these families who are taking in these kids as if they are doing something wrong. But even adoption agencies now have gotten into the business of accusing these parents of white privilege and telling them that they're really doing something terrible by tearing them away from their culture. Uh, we know what every child needs, which is a safe, loving, stable home. And it doesn't matter what their skin color is. And studies show that it doesn't matter what their skin color is. But the racial nonsense that has kind of taken over our country has now infected the child welfare system. And again, it's, it's turned into the needs and desires of adults, not the best interests of children. Interesting. Okay, so then you could use the word wokeism, I guess, in some ways to the uh, foster care system. But then what are those seeds, those seeds that begin some within the social system that's being perpetrated and amplified and somehow that's affecting foster kids themselves as opposed to you know no one loving these children or caring for these children someone's willing and able to do this you're saying but the opportunities are being taken away yeah there's actually a law in the books called the multi-ethnic placement act which says you cannot discriminate when you're placing a foster child in foster care or for adoption that was passed in the 1990s democrats and republicans came together and said the most important thing is for kids to find a safe stable loving home and now we have people who are literally trying to overturn that law they think we should be considering race at all these stages and that the most important thing is that a child's skin color should match the skin color of their caretakers i mean it's it's really just absurd and i don't I don't think it's where most Americans, uh, you know, are right now. I think most Americans recognize how important it is for these kids to find a home and not be languishing in foster care indefinitely. Um, but that's what we're going back to. Yeah. What about um, minorities represented in the administration of, of foster care? Um, are, are, are people of color weighing in on this? Are they, are, I mean, what, what's their perspective on this issue? So I very little bit. I mean, there is this sort of stereotype of the child welfare worker as like the nosy white woman who goes and, you know, bangs on the door of, you know, some poor black family. Um, but in fact, if you look at sort of who is in the world of child welfare, um, like, for instance, in New York City, 85 percent of the child welfare workers are either black or Hispanic. So it's not that this people in this community don't recognize the need for foster care and recognize the need for child protection. Um, I think what you're getting is a lot of people sort of, you know, talking from academia from 30,000 feet saying, oh, you know, this is this is all just, uh, you know, this this is all unnecessary. There's even a move now. um, They call themselves uh, the abolitionists because they want to abolish foster care and child protection altogether. They they want to abolish mandated reporters like teachers and doctors and law enforcement officials who are required by their job to report child abuse and neglect when they see it. Um, there are folks who, who want to eliminate that whole role, people who want to eliminate drug testing of newborns because, you know, well, if we don't see the abuse or neglect, I guess it doesn't exist. Wow. Okay, so then, I mean, a, a lot of this is really shocking to me, what you're saying, Naomi. So this book that you're putting out, it, to me in some ways, at least from my perspective, is a first volley. Is there some sort of panacea, some sort of solution to this, or is this a runaway train? 
Well, you know, every state has a different child welfare agency. And so a lot of this is being done kind of, you know, in, inside of the agencies culturally and the way that they run their, their agency. Um, I think for, you know, for me, the solutions are really about getting more people involved in the system, getting more people to actually become, for instance, court-appointed special advocates, CASAs, people who volunteer to go into court and represent the interests of the child to a family court judge, people who volunteer to do foster care, people who volunteer to support people doing foster care, churches that become friendly to this. I mean, I think the more kind of the more responsible eyes we have on this system, the less these advocates will be able to get away with as far as kind of removing the safety that we've put in place. Right. And at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to dump on anybody who's involved in the foster care system. This is extremely difficult work under, I'm sure, not the very best of conditions. So God bless those men and women who are on the front lines who are trying to help these kids. But uh, clearly the system is broken from what you're telling us. Absolutely. I think a lot of these people mean very well. They want to do this work. But, um, you know, in some agencies, there's a 40% turnover rate. It's really hard work. And they're not respected very much either. I mean, we don't we don't pay them very well. We don't train them very well. And frankly, we're not recruiting the best candidates for this. Um, you know, they go into you know if they go into training, you know, a lot of the times their training is about cultural sensitivity. But we're sending them into sometimes very dangerous situations. I think in many cases we should be training them much more like law enforcement. You have to go knock on a door. You don't know who's on the other side. You're going to make some pretty you know difficult accusations of the people on the other side of that door you know how are you protected and and are you trained to look around a room and figure out what is going on in that family it it requires a lot no so naomi we're living in an age of defund the police and the solution to that is to send social workers you're saying that we're talking about the social workers they need the police Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a partnership between police and social workers is very important. And and you have to understand that when you say send in the social workers, these people are often under-trained and under-resourced themselves. We haven't asked the social workers whether they want to go in. That's the problem. All right. It's it's difficult. Our time is up. Uh, Naomi, appreciate you being on the show today. It's certainly uh, an important book that you've written. Thanks for sharing your uh, expertise with us. Thank you. Our pleasure. That's Naomi Schaefer-Riley. You've probably seen her work either at the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal. She's written a whole bunch of books, but her latest is No Way to Treat a Child, How the Foster Care System, Family Courts, and Racial Activists are Wrecking Young Minds. We come back. We're going to talk about Mike Tomlin and a high-character leader in the Steelers. Everywhere you are, they are too. Advertising that wants you to refinance, get a mortgage, or cash out refinance. I mean, you've heard it here on Word FM. No doubt you've heard the advertising for United Faith Mortgage right here. A good family with great rates, an easy process to go through, all that and more. But maybe to you it's just more background noise or just something else you want to get away from. That is until you need a mortgage or are thinking about refinancing, honestly. What sets United Faith Mortgage apart from all that static is their faith, the daily struggle, because you're trying to live it too. If you're thinking or ready to buy, Call United Faith Mortgage first. You'll be happy with the conversation, the service, the work ethic, and ultimately, the great rates. Refi, too. Call United Faith Mortgage with a direct lender advantage. Faith and family, and they don't hide it. United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Your life. Your hopes. And whatever you are searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy 
Simplified. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy... You just want a plan you're happy with. You can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. As America changes in an era of crisis, the mission of the church has never been more clear. It's time for us to saturate the streets with the love of Jesus. Saturate USA is a movement of churches and believers across America, uniting to reach every home with the gospel. At saturateusa.org, churches can adopt a zip code and receive free neighborhood maps and evangelistic materials, including Jesus film DVDs with free online streaming. Join the movement at saturateusa.org. 101.5 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app iHeart TuneIn and Odyssey. Partly cloudy skies for tonight, low 53. Warm tomorrow with sunshine giving way to clouds. Temperatures more typical of late summer. We'll see a high tomorrow of 78. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and warm. A thunderstorm in spots late with a low of 63. Friday, we'll see intervals of clouds and sunshine. and will be humid and remain warm with a passing shower. We'll reach a high of 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. In watching the Monday night uh, NFL game, uh, I was, you know, paying attention to what was going on uh, until... I mean, I was still paying attention to what was going on after. But, of course, the big news that broke in the middle of the game was that John Gruden had been fired as the uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Raiders. And um, he's known to be volatile. That's the nicest way I can put it. (laughs) You think? And so the first thing, you know, I had read earlier in the day on Monday is that he was – you know, an email had been discovered where he said something that was racially insensitive to somebody and he apologized. And I read about it and I thought, eh, okay, that's a little shaky. I don't know. We'll kind of see where this goes. And then it was 12 hours later that he was out. Okay. So what's weird to me about this whole story is uh, someone, uh, some unnamed people, right, are, are doing sort of an accounting, an inventory of all the NFL emails. No, I think they were in particular investigating the Washington Football Club. Okay, but how many emails to go through those emails? How many is that? Hundreds of thousands, well, millions. Uh, well, the number I heard today was that there was somewhere around six hundred thousand emails. Okay, so then they go through these emails and then they uncover Gruden, right? Right. And then in their due diligence, they got to go, "Hey, we came up, came up with something here." Well, I think the way it happened. I think the way it happened, and again, sports is not the beat that we cover. No. But I think what happened is that they discovered the initial email that I referenced. 
um, that I read about in, I think it was the Wall Street Journal on Monday. And they went to NFL leadership and they said, hey, we found this. And NFL leadership said, okay, go see what else is there. Right. No, but to me, you know, this smacks of hypocrisy because the NFL has players on teams that have done criminal activity. Yes. Far worse. True. Right. And right. they go, NFL shrugs their shoulders and goes, yeah. Well, okay, but they're in. I'm not trying to defend not, John Gruden. And here. I'm not trying to defend the NFL either, but I'm saying that in a lot of those cases, they're waiting for them to be adjudicated mm-hmm. before they decide what happens. Right. So they don't want to fire somebody for if. Like if they fire somebody and then they find out three months later that it goes to a court and a court says that they were not guilty, then the NFL is going to what? Sure. We have to hire them back. So they're they're in a process of like we're going to hang back and see what courts. Okay, say. so but there in black and white, uh, there's John Gruden. I mean, it's ridiculous. And his emails, right? I mean, listen. Uh, so um, he used a racist trope to describe the NFL Players Association executive director D. Maurice Smith. That's the first uh, email that I saw, the first report that I saw. Right. He criticized the league's hiring of women as, refu- as referees, its drafting of gay players, uh, whom he referred to in a derogatory way. He routinely referred to Roger Goodell in an absolutely terrible sense. Yeah. That's, I, don't, I get it. 100%. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find ways to talk about this without telling you what he actually said. The you bottom, the bottom sure. line is John Gruden was shown via his emails – to be not a man of good character, a repulsive sort of person. Right. That's all I, I mean, I just, there's just no excuse for it. And if it was, Tony Dungy said this earlier yesterday, I believe, he said if it was one email and he apologized for it, okay. But it's just a pattern of behavior. This is what he really thinks. And if you watch how he responds on a sideline during a game, this is not a shock. No. I mean, he's just, he's a volatile person, as I said at the start of the segment. To me, he's incredibly unlikable, um, but this just puts it over the top, and there is no way he possibly could have held on to a job sure. after I mean, this. It's not a stretch to say he's kind of like the Bobby Knight of football, right? There's a, yeah, oh, oh there's he's, a way, he's way worse than that to no. me, and I'm not defending Bobby Knight. There's a lot Knight. of volatility. There's a lot, there's a, there's a lot there. Yeah. All that to say, there's a, a piece in today's PG that Ron Cook wrote, and I love the quote from um, Jerome Bettis. Yeah. So Jerome Bettis did a an interview with uh, the fan on Monday during his celebrity golf tournament out of Treesdale. And they were he was asked about Mike Tomlin, and he said this, Tomlin doesn't dip low. He doesn't go high. He is right down the line. He just stays the same. He is the calming influence regardless. If you're playing well, he's going to bring you back to earth. If you're not playing well, he's going to tell you where you need to get to and how to do it. This is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. These are the steps we need to take. As a player, Bettis said, that's what I love to see. Right. Now, though, people say, oh, wait, wait a second. What about AB and that whole thing? And, you know, where was Tomlin in the midst of all that? You know, anybody who's a head coach, right, is ripe for criticism. Yeah, no I'm not saying Tomlin has never done anything wrong. No, no. As a, as I mean, you're dealing with a lot coach. of different characters. But, I, you know, as a, again, a lot of money. sports is not our beat. This is not what we do. But we're sports fans here in Pittsburgh. And I am a huge Tomlin I fan. I love him. I am a huge Tomlin fan. And the Antonio Brown thing, the, you know, it was just such a disaster. Circus. But, you know, you also add what, you know, coaching, dealing with, you know, the current time, racial issues, economic issues, and you add to that social media, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go anywhere no. close to this. You need I like would, 20 would guys to run that team. Let me say one other thing. There are a lot of people I see online who are defending John Gruden. 
who are basically who are basically saying, "Look, this is another instance where somebody goes back and digs up a tweet that somebody made, yeah, 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 you know, I tweeted seven years ago, eleven years." If you haven't looked into the story, first of all, let me encourage you to There's do a pattern it. Here. Second of all, I can tell you this is way beyond a couple errant tweets. Right. This is a revelation of a guy's character. It is atrocious language that should never be used, no matter who you're talking to. And the fact that he used it repeatedly in email and that it's there for everyone to see, there's no reason why that guy should keep a job. I agree. It makes you I it makes me thankful that Tomlin, Mike Tomlin is our head coach. It really Love does. Tomlin. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Come back. Uh, do you hoard? Have you hoarded your kids' baby teeth, hair? That's disgusting. Anything like no. that? We'll talk about that next. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, Word FM. 101.5 WORD. How has God prepared you to face your spiritual enemy, equipped you to recognize the attacks of Satan, and defend yourself effectively? Find out how to have victory against doubt, discouragement, and temptation as John MacArthur continues one of his all-time most popular series. Don't miss The Believer's Armor this week on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Confused about Medicare? Let me help you navigate the maze. My name is Tom Yakupin, agency owner at West Penn Life and Health in Washington. My staff and I represent several Medicare health plans that you know and trust, and we've helped many people just like you with caring, personal attention. Medicare can be confusing, so now's the time to schedule your meeting with me where you can ask questions and get answers you'll fully understand. Call today and ask for me, Tom Yakupin, at West Penn Life and Health, 724-228-7187. We offer real solutions for life, health, Medicare, and annuities. And we're a member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating for a reason. Call West Penn Life and Health right now, 724-228-7187. And ask for me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187. Or find us online at westpennhealth.com. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the Jay Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit autismspeaks.org slash employment it's time to break out to break through the past year has been rocky for families across our nation but your involvement makes a difference help cornerstone tv pass on the hope of jesus during our breakout to breakthrough broadcast featuring Canaan bridges sean smith matt sorger jane hammond and jay gilbert watch monday through friday october 11th through the 15th at 8 p.m on cornerstone television network that's pittsburgh channel 40 or Channel 5 on Verizon and Comcast. With today's technology, anyone can take a video, but getting it ready for primetime, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos for your social media, podcasts, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412 we have um, 
blankies from our kids when they were they were little kids that they dragged around when they were toddlers mm-hmm. that are very precious to us. We also have some things that I know you have a problem with, Kath. Uh, I have a, um, a a baggie, you know, a Ziploc baggie mm-hmm. with I don't know, fifteen maybe baby teeth, which I love. That is so. That's like a horror movie. No, no, it's cool. I love it. Why it's, is that cool? Your kids are twenty and twenty-two years old. I just, look, you know where they are? They're in my sock drawer. Okay, what is that? Why are you keeping those? I just think they're sweet. They're sweet. Yeah, there's something that's so okay. incredibly tiny about them. Yeah. And I remember, you know, helping them through that process of, hey, daddy, my tooth is wiggly, you know, and and being part of that, and then eventually extracting that thing, and then playing the role of said tooth fairy, which is an excellent role. And so, and so why not keep which, it? Which at that point, you just throw the tooth away. Never. Okay. All right. Never. An article in today's New York Times, The Wild Ways Parents Preserve Their Kids' Memories, mm. um, written by Jessica Delfino. So Jessica is on your side. Good. And not just for herself, because she has interviewed a bunch of people for this uh, article. And people are keeping... Absolutely outrageous things. I mean, absolutely outrageous things. I can't, I mean, I, okay. So I have, I think my, the first tooth that fell out of both of my daughters, I had like, you know, like a little sterling silver special little box. I think, I believe I still have that. I'm not sure. No. I might. We have both of our kids, you know, when you cut the um, umbilical cord and then, you know, I don't know, weeks or a month later, that little crusty uh, ring around their belly button falls off. Yeah. I have both those. Oh! I I think it's cool. I mean, I don't go out and like, you know, show it around. Why would you keep that? I just think it's an artifact of my kids' lives. And I just, it's interesting to me. And I don't know where it is. I know, you know, it's in a little sort of, like you have, in a little container somewhere. Yeah. And it's just something well, that the, I, I would like to have. Okay. That's, that's okay. So in the article, it talks about other people who have kept the, the children's, un, child's, whatever, umbilical cord. I can't even speak correctly because I'm so overwhelmed <laughs> by this. I can't this believe is, that you're disgusted this by thing. this. How can you be so upset about this? Other mothers confess to holding on to hair, yeah. artwork, mm-hmm. clothing, of course. teeth. I do have my positive pregnancy test. I, I do that have too. that. Both, I do yep, have that. Okay. Yeah, we have that. Um, I, I mean, I, what's the, what's the what's the breast milk part? Okay, of the here's story? the deal. Um, this because so, this is where I, I about lost my mind. So uh, one of the authors says, "I'll admit to being sucked into a trend that I saw on Etsy, in which enterprising jewelers mix clients. We didn't do this. Mix clients' breast milk with resin and turn it into pendants for earrings, rings, bracelets, and other type of jewelry. When I saw an ad for one such business, I plunked down 60 bucks, shipped a a plastic bag of my breast milk. It turned into a pair of earrings. I'd call myself bold, but I don't know if I ever have the gall to wear them in public. That is – that cannot be – like acceptable no, no. human behavior. And then she imagines someone. She, she imagines the conversation. I love your earrings. My coworker might say one day, "Where did you get them?" Oh, thank you. I'd reply, "They're made of my breast milk." I, I don't know. I, I just think. Look. Okay. What you just think? What? I as as beauty as beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. 
So are keepsakes in the hands okay. of the beholder. Okay, but so you're keeping them for you. You're not keeping them for your sons. No, I'm not going to get. Hey, you guys, you want your little belly button thing that fell off when you were like, you know, three months? <laughs> because it is. And they're going to go, Dad, stop being a freak. Right. Okay, uh-huh. let's go out and do something else. Let's go to, you know. No, it's for me. I'm not going to pass it along to them. You know, whenever I'm gone, they might go through something and go, what the heck they is that? They might. What is this? I don't no, have a note going in there. To. Let me go. What's this crusty old thing here? Let's throw that away. Or oh, the bag of babies. <laughs> no way. Saying that out loud does seem kind of weird. The bag of baby teeth yeah, that I uh-huh. possess. That sounds like something from a Stephen King book. I mean, I just think it's cute. It's sweet. I don't pull them out, you know, regularly. But the, you know, there's something that's like kindergarten artwork or you know the baby okay i have okay so i i have a big box in my closet mm. of stuff like m- memorabilia, memorabilia. Yeah. childhood yeah, yeah. memories i have so every once in a while i'll bring it out when my kids are home and we'll look through yeah. it Aww. right oh isn't that sweet look how cute that is Aww. but each time i try to throw things away because we don't need to keep all of it. You know, you, you throw things in there at the moment when you think that they're going to be meaningful. And then you go back and you say, you know what, actually, it wasn't meaningful. But you think your teeth, the, the baby teeth might go in that box and maybe well, one day. apparently they're still meaningful to me because I've yet to Okay, I, I've so. heard from a friend of ours via text message. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use her name because I don't have her permission. Okay. But she said, yes, I have all my kids' primary teeth. Because science will someday be able to use the cell's DNA from them should my children need it. I'm not even kidding. All right. That's what she said. Okay. Is that a thing? I guess so. Okay. So well, in, I'll tell you, that, that dried up umbilical cord thing is going to be the difference between life and death. Maybe. Okay, now, in this piece, this is interesting. Quote, this kind of collecting makes me think of hoarding, said Dr. Sandip Bush a psychiatrist who has worked with hoarders before. Hoarders don't like throwing things away because they're throwing away part of themselves. Mm -hmm. They are holding on to their past. Now, look, you know me. Yeah. I am not a hoarder. No, you're not a hoarder. You're an incredibly clean, pristine person. So that just goes to show you the emotional impact. Listen, when my kid moved from the crib to the, like, big boy bed that first night, I openly wept. Like, (laughs) oh, no, he's growing up. I mean, you know. So I, I again, yeah. Emotion okay. is in the eye of the, of the holder, and it's right. just something that. Uh, so now I feel badly the way you say it that I'm picking on you for the teeth. You don't pick on. Me. I don't okay, got thick skin. I've it's, been hanging out with you for a while, lady. Yeah, I know a, who you are. That's a good point. We were at an event not too long ago. Yeah, uh, a, pub, a publicity thing, and someone said to me, "You're so hard on him." Mm-hmm. Remember, you yeah. were there. You're so why, people, why do you pick on him so say much? That. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up with five sisters. You don't think I can handle chaos in my life? You don't you think don't... you, I mean, <laughs> handling me is nothing compared to them. Oh, that's a walk them. in the park. Your little things like like exactly. fall off me like rubber bullets. Boink, nothing. Big nothing. deal. Yeah. No, no worries at all. Anyway, all, right. all that to say. All right. I haven't talked you into throwing the teeth out. Nope. Okay. And the umbilical cord thing, are you giving that a second thought? No. Mm-hmm. Nothing's giving me a second thought. Because here's the deal. One of these days, I'll be 90. Let's... I'll pray for that. Mm-hmm. And I will not probably be in my, you know, I'll be somewhere in the in the ether. And mm-hmm. somewhere going to go, hey, how about this bag of teeth? And I might have like a moment where I go, <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Or I might lean into it and go, oh. Mm-hmm. I'll do the Pittsburgh, oh. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and your kids, and, who, and the flood and, of memories will come back to me. And your kid, whose teeth you're talking about, is going to be 70 years old. Doesn't even matter. Okay. He's still my baby. Because right. your babies are always your oh, baby. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, yeah, 
All right. All right. I mean, at least you're not holding it for them. No, it's for me. I guess that's weirder. All right. Coming up next, the surprising, violent, world-changing history of pumpkin spice. (laughs) Hi, we're Katie and Ryland Weber, the founders of Convive Coffee. For more than five years, the heart of Convive has been to serve our community by sharing life and great coffee together. Sourcing beans from around the world, Convive Coffee samples and roasts right here in Pittsburgh. Come visit your local Convive Cafe at Adams Shops in Mars, McCandless Crossing, and Butler Street in Lawrenceville. We hope to see you soon at Convive Coffee. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. This is Kathy Ammons for Bible League International. The gospel is changing hearts in regions of the world like Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Middle East. But many countries in these areas have very few Christian bookstores, big box stores, or online retailers to drop Bibles into their villages, so it's nearly impossible to find what is so elementary to walking with Christ, and that's God's Word. That's why Word FM and Bible League International have partnered to send Bibles to 5,000 waiting Christians. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven, and $100 sends Bibles to 20 Christians, and every gift will be matched regardless of size. Help us to bless 5,000 Bibleless believers through our shared campaign. The world needs the word Bibles for the nations. Make your most generous gift today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-937-9673. 800-YES-WORD or give at wordfm.com. I've seen people being changed by reading the scripture, giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. Pastor, reserve your free tickets now for the 15th annual Word FM Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree. Senior and associate pastors and their spouses are invited to experience this day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. Reservations are required. Your free tickets are available now at wordfm.com pastors. It's pumpkin spice everything right now. Kit Kats and Twinkies now come in pumpkin spice form. What do you mean a cat? Uh Uh-huh. A A cat? A Kit Kat. Oh, I mean like a cat. Like, you know, you adopt a cat and it comes in a a pumpkin spice cat. But you could name your cat pumpkin spice if you want to. I mean, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility, right? Everything's pumpkin spice. Somehow, pumpkin spice ramen exists. So does pumpkin spice seltzer made by Bud Light. Come on. Should you feel the need to bathe in it, there's pumpkin spice hand soap. (laughs) 
Pumpkin spice scented masks stand ready to fill your pandemic with fall flavor. Oh I read from Matthew Corvage's article in USA Today. Mm. Um, here's the thing, though. We know that our producer, Christy Stockdale, is a pumpkin spice devotee. Yes. That means it's she's gone beyond it's okay, gone beyond liking to full commitment. Mm-hmm. That when this season is upon us, she's, she's there. She's in 100%. Right. She's there. Okay, but wait, wait, just one, one quick thing. What I love about okay a pumpkin right there's a pumpkin yeah and then you know when when you were a kid did your did your dad cut the pumpkin open yes okay that cutting the pumpkin open like to me was like a major event like of a the re- year like the reveal because when you open that thing up you go no one's ever seen that before we're the first ones to touch those it's like to be inside there I love that so much but then the pumpkin spice itself. Where exactly is that derived? Like, okay. they melting a pumpkin? Or I'm any- very glad you asked that okay, question. Good. And I was surprised to read the answer. Um, okay. So pumpkin pie, those spices, like cinnamon, nutmeg, yeah. allspice, all those weren't put together officially until McCormick called it that in 1934. What? So there was nothing called pumpkin pie spice before 1934. But there was pumpkin okay. pie. There was, I don't know if there was pumpkin pie. I don't well, have yeah, the answer to that. To I don't know if there before. was it. I'm not. All I'm saying is that it was not called pumpkin pie spice. Like that pumpkin spice thing wasn't a thing until 1934. Because the McCormick people. Right, exactly. Starbucks didn't kick off their pumpkin spice latte that Christy is so into until 2003. Mm. Okay. But the history of the pumpkin spice is super old and it's far from basic. The spice blend, apparently, is an enduring remnant of a violent history, which is Europeans, white Europeans, loving Asian spices and doing whatever they had to do, including military conquest, to get them. Wait, are you saying people died from pumpkin spice? Listen to me. It is the craziest story, and I can't go into the whole thing, but listen to this. So white white rich Europeans loved those exotic spices. Now listen, listen to me. Loved those those Asian exotic spices, and it helped them to feel like they were a little more elite, right? Mm -hmm. And so they would do whatever they could to find them, right? So. Aromatic cloves, ginger, nutmeg, these were all considered rare, luxuriant treasures. Okay, the original steak sauce of 14th century Europe was a cinnamon ginger clove sauce called cameline, okay, which is very similar to what pumpkin spice is today. Those are the flavors that are in pumpkin spice, but they were costly to obtain. Now, we know that Columbus was not looking for America. Right. He landed here, but he was looking for a sea route to Asia's cinnamon and pepper trade. That's what he was looking for, right? Instead, apparently he came back with allspice, which is also in pumpkin spice. Right. The spice. Okay. But listen to this. The most notorious and tragic chapter, perhaps, was the battle to corner the market in nutmeg controlled by the Bandanese people of Indonesia. Okay. The residents of the Banda Islands repelled repeated attempts until finally the Dutch in 1620 embarked with a force of more than 1900 to massacre the Bandanese. The Bandanese tried to negotiate terms, but they were killed or enslaved. And in some accounts, the heads of the leaders were put on pikes because of nutmeg. Oh, my God. I am serious because of nutmeg. But here's the thing. When you get to, like, the 17th century, more people started to be familiar with those flavors. And so they didn't seem as special anymore. And so they reverted from being elite stuff that you would put in, like, a fine dinner to stuff that the average person could bake. Right. Okay, so but now. And so that's how we have ended up with it where it is now. But cancel culture will come upon us right now because now we go, I'm going to have a Starbucks spicy pumpkin thing. But people died for this, right? So because people People died died for nutmeg.
It's true. However, the pumpkin pie spice is for the average person now. It's the everyman's drink. Christy, we salute you. We salute you, Christy. Have that pumpkin spice. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Millions of retirees on Social Security will get a 5.9 boost in benefits next year. It's the biggest cost of living adjustment in 39 years. 90-year-old actor William Shatner becomes the oldest person to go into space. Command engine start. Two, one. William Shatner and three fellow passengers blasted off from West Texas to more than 66 miles into space as part of the Blue Origin flight. Shatner's claim to fame is playing Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Upon returning, Shatner was overcome as he thanked Blue Origin founder Jeff Bezos. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. Audio courtesy of Blue Origin. I'm Margie Zaroleta. This is SRN News. It's time to break out to break through. The past year has been rocky for families across our nation, but your involvement makes a difference. Help Cornerstone TV pass on the hope of Jesus during our Breakout to Breakthrough broadcast. Featuring Kanan Bridges, Sean Smith, Matt Sorger, Jane Hammond, and Jay Gilbert. Watch Monday through Friday, October 11th through the 15th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Verizon and Comcast. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That is windowsrspittsburgh.com. 
cleanliness and safety are essential to the success of any business. That's why Cintas has introduced our Total Clean program, a one-of-a-kind service that includes scheduled deliveries of essential cleaning supplies, hygienically cleaned uniforms, and on-site sanitizer and disinfectant services to help eliminate germs. Learn what the Cintas Total Clean program can do for you. Oh, I'm ready! Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Partly cloudy skies for tonight, low 53. Warm tomorrow with sunshine giving way to clouds. Temperatures more typical of late summer. We'll see a high tomorrow of 78. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and warm. A thunderstorm in spots late with a low of 63. Friday, we'll see intervals of clouds and sunshine. It will be humid and remain warm with a passing shower. We'll reach a high of 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along the 5 o'clock hour of the Wednesday edition. Okay, I just heard the quote of the day from management. Just ran into management in the hallway during the (laughs) 5 o'clock break, and I was approached and said, uh, why is it that serial killers and people with three last names, Mm -hmm. those people with three last names, they appear on your show. I mean, not serial killers appear on our show. No. No. People with three last names. Three last names. Right. That's interesting. I mean, we had Naomi Schaefer Riley on a little bit ago. Right. Mm-hmm. That's who he was thinking of. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Why is it that uh, people with three last names mm-hmm. were serial killers? And those people with three last names. I, I don't know how the answer appear for that. On our it show. just kind of Fortunately, those, those don't overlap. No. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. So that's a plus. Right. Um, also, uh, we have uh, the Word FM stream going on right now. Yes. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at the Word Pittsburgh if you'd like to watch the show. Mm-hmm. Um, please leave your comments, ask your questions, whatever. I'll try to get over there and answer whatever needs to be answered. All right. And uh, the clock is ticking. If you have been considering about uh, our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation oh, Luncheon. Yeah, let the consideration end. It has to because move uh, to decision making. We're going to close the window on that. We've got to tell the people that uh, at the uh, Hilton. Uh, at the Green Tree, Double Tree, uh, Green Tree, you're going to say, hey, how many people are showing up? So if you've been sitting on the fence, come and join us. Word FM next Tuesday afternoon. We'd love to see you there. Uh, you, if you're a senior pastor or an associate pastor, and your spouses are welcome. All the crew will be there from Word FM, and uh, it's absolutely free. It's a great uh, afternoon of encouragement. Jack Graham will be the keynote speaker, so we hope to see you there. But uh, you need to go there very soon, like I would say now or today, at wordfm.com. Because John and I need to know how many pancakes to make. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. There aren't going to be pancakes. There's not going to be any pancakes. When's the last time you had a pancake? Too long ago. Months. I, I mean, agree. like maybe a year. Maybe I haven't had a pancake in a year. I had a waffle about six weeks ago. Yeah. It was supreme. How about a crepe? As into crepes as what? I just love, Who doesn't love a, a waffle. It's not that I don't, I mean, believe me, I'm not going to say no to a crepe. Yeah. But if I pick between a crepe and a waffle pancake, I'm always going to go waffle. Right. Crepe Suzette or Suzanne Flechette? <laughs> Flechette. Flechette. Remember, remember, remember <laughs> when she showed up at the end of the second uh, New York thing? I do, yeah. All right. So uh, news came last week um, that uh, 
Jesse Duplantis, who um, is a televangelist, apparently. I'm not familiar with Jesse. Um, I've seen his name. I've never seen his uh, show or whatever it is he does. But reading from the Christian Post, um, he made a wild claim, apparently, during a recent fundraiser. And this is what he claimed. Are you guys ready? Tell me. Paying attention, everybody? I'll take notes if you need be. Jesus hasn't returned yet because Christians are not giving enough money. Yep. Speaking at Kenneth Copeland's Victory Thon fundraiser, where Copeland was raising money for, you want to know what he's raising money for? Tell me. A private jet to ensure he does not have to take the COVID vaccine, which he claims is the mark of the beast. DePlantis, supporting his televangelist friend's fundraiser, stated, I honestly believe this. The reason why Jesus hasn't come is because people are not giving the way God told them to give. You see what I'm saying? I mean, when you understand that you can speed up the time, then... (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay, that's everything heinous and approximately four sentences, yeah. basically, in that's the universe. That's what you come to the right but wait, th- th- there's the cherry, that if you want Jesus to come back sooner, you should give more money? To him, in particular, so he can get his job. He actually said that? Someone actually believes that. I'm reading this from the Christian Post. He then went on, the article's by David Rogers, staff writer. Yeah. He then went on to boast that he was not a millionaire, but rather a multimillionaire. Mm. Talking about an executive at a TV station, Duplantis recounted a conversation he had where the executive said that Duplantis was a millionaire. And he said, no, 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 that's not right. Multi-millionaire. <laughs> Copeland and other leaders were quick to laugh about the story. Duplantis continued, oh, he couldn't handle that. He had a fit. And I said, you mess with me, I'll buy this station and I'll fire you. He then stated, you know, that was a little fleshly, but it felt good. To scattered laughter and applause. Where is that? The Christian Post, you mm-hmm. said? Yeah. DePlantis has been heavily criticized for his comments. He recently donated $100,000 worth of generators after being heavily criticized after his ministry did not do anything or enough to help his community of St. Charles, Paris, St. Charles, Paris, which was hit by Hurricane Ida. Okay. I mean, that's... that's heinous and heartbreaking in the same breath and when you hear things like that especially well even if, if you are a believer but especially if you're not a believer and you would read that you would go well These people that's are it. a joke this right. whole thing is a joke that's frauds. Jesus, Jesus was a joke those are cheaters that's just people trying to get rich on the backs of poor unsuspecting people which... that's exactly what it is that's that's, exa- that's exactly what it is. I, I think it's important to talk about God because these are people who claim the name of Jesus and they claim to be part of the church. And they are um, the opposite of that. Um, as Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God. So all of us have to be careful. Every single one of us have to be careful Amen. that we are coming to God humbly in confession, um, recognizing that every single one of us is screwed up in like countless ways and asking the Holy Spirit to continually be looking at what we're saying, what we're thinking, what we're reading so that we can be conformed more to the likeness of Jesus. Because it's easy for any of us to fall into sin and fall into wrong thinking. And I'm not trying to pick on Jesse Duplantis and saying that he's, you know, somehow less of a person than you and I are because we're all the same. But when you read something like this, it has to be talked about. And you just have to say out loud, this is not 
the gospel of Jesus. I agree with that 100%. Yes, without a doubt. And your heart breaks for those poor people who are, you know, listening and following along with Jesse Duplantis and thinking that's part of I'm part of my ministry, so I need to be faithful to that and give more. You're just being duped and sucked into something that is absolutely heinous. So God bless those poor people. Yeah. And would they know the truth of the gospel of Christ yeah. and step away from that poor right. teaching? And would, and, and would they know that the gift of grace is exactly that? It's a gift. It's not something that you buy. Take it to the bank. It's not something. We can't hasten Jesus' return Come on. by paying Jesse Duplantis so that he could have a jet and not have to take the COVID vaccine. I mean, I mean it's just. I don't understand. I mean, how can someone with you know biblical knowledge who calls themselves a pastor twist something like that? To their own advantage, for their own advantage. It just doesn't make any sense. How does a person put their head on the pillow at night and think that was a good day's work? Or I did, you know, I proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. How far perverted do you have to become? So what did Jesus say to the Pharisees in, uh, I think this is Matthew 21. He says, you are whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside you are full of dead men's bones. That's what this is. That's just, you just have to say it. This is antithetical. To the teaching of Jesus. Amen to that. And of course, right, I mean, all of us fall short of the glory of God. But boy, that just, that's deep and ugly. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we do come back, when we do come back. Um, Becca McNeil, our good friend. Yeah. We're going to talk about young life at the border and looking at young people, right? Illegal immigrants, you would say, coming yeah. across the border doing and how they're being ministered doing to. Doing stuff that matters. That's next. 101.5 WORD. Do you love to cook or have a favorite recipe that's a winner? Then you need to enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes to submit that delicious recipe. The winning submission will receive a year's worth of meats from good ranchers. A $1,400 value. And a $1,000 Williams-Sonoma shopping spree. Increase your chances of winning by entering once per day and completing bonus entry options. So start cooking. Enter today at wordfm.com slash contests. Why are cash-out refinances such a big deal right now? Uncle Ryan tries to teach me something. I will say one thing. You know, I really feel like right now, might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've been doing this for 18 years now and I've just never seen a market where the rates are so low and values across the country have skyrocketed as much as they have. That combination, um, I remember one couple in particular, they were looking to do some home improvements at the house, but they were worried about their payments going up. Well, with rates being so low and them building up so much equity in the home over the last few years, we were able to get them to cash out for those home improvements and their payments actually went down a little bit. Every single situation is different, but it does happen more often than you think. So it definitely does not hurt to call. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Attention. Do you own a term life insurance policy? If so, you might be able to convert all or part of your term life policy to a permanent plan that could give you level premiums for life without any health questions or medical exam. It's easy to see if you are eligible and our consultation is free. Just call the LifeQuotes helpline at 800-410-0668. Rates on term life insurance stay low for only a certain period of time. Then they skyrocket up. Conversion 
is a feature found in most term life policies. Conversion gives you the right to convert your term life plan into a more permanent plan of insurance with level premiums without any medical questions. Call the Life Quotes Help Center now at 800 410 That's 800 410 It's time to break out to break through. The past year has been rocky for families across our nation, but your involvement makes a difference. Help Cornerstone TV pass on the hope of Jesus during our Breakout to Breakthrough broadcast. Featuring Canaan Bridges, Sean Smith, Matt Sorger, Jane Hammond, and Jay Gilbert. Watch Monday through Friday, October 11th through the 15th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Verizon and Comcast. There's a lot to be said written about and prayed for at the ongoing crisis at the southern border. Becca McNeil is back with us, and when we do talk about the southern border, we love to have Becca with us because she is on the ground. Her eyes and her heart and her prayers are first and foremost for those who are trying to get into the United States and say what you will about it. It's a very complex issue. There's no doubt about that. She wrote a piece, Becca did, at uh, Christianity Today called When God Opened a Coliseum, Young Life Ministers Were Ready. And Becca, welcome to, to the show. Thanks for telling us this amazing story. Thank you guys for having me. It's so good to be, be back with y'all. Yeah, happy to have you back. Okay, Becca, you write that in April and May of 2021, the Office of Refugee Resettlement temporarily housed 1,500 boys aged 13 to 17 on the grounds of the sporting arena just two miles from the school where Eric Collins and Felix Chavez have been struggling to start a Young Life Club in the midst of a pandemic. Tell us the story. Yes. Yeah, that's a lo- it's a lot of variables <laughs> coming together in, uh, in Felix Chavez's summary as I was talking to him that I really, really loved was God is the God of details. Um, and you just see that all over the place. Um, he and Eric had been trying to start a new young life club on the East side of San Antonio. And with all of the restrictions and stuff, kids just weren't gathering. And that's kind of the young life model is go where the kids are and they weren't anywhere. And so they're just struggling, and all of a sudden, one day, Felix kind of comes in and says, I found a bunch of kids in one place. Here's the catch. They're um, behind about three guards, and, and we got to get permission from the United States government to get in there. And so um, and that's how it all began. But they were just thrilled to do what they were called to do, which is, minister to teenagers. I mean, I, I love it. This takes a lot of guts, an incredible amount of moxie to try to work through that red tape. And everybody's angry about it, right? So at the Coliseum, yeah. you've got people who are protesting. You've got people from, I don't know, immigrants' rights groups and people who are pro-government and anti-government, Becca, all weighing in on this, right? Oh, yeah. It had become this flashpoint, um, the, calling it a Calling, we we went back and forth about this at Christianity Today as well. You know, do you call? Are these kids in detention? Are they in a shelter? What are we calling this? And so there was back and forth over that. And then there was um, some kind of posturing by politicians about we want to see what's going on in here. So there was a lot going on. And basically, Felix said, "I don't need to take a side on this. I just need to." 
get in front of those kids. Right. The opportunity and for so the that's gospel. what he did. Okay, so then, yeah. so Eric Collins and Felix Chavez, uh, they discovered that Catholic Charities was somehow operating within the confines where these kids were, and they grabbed onto those coattails, yeah? Yes, and Catholic Charities in San Antonio um, is a very, they are very cooperative. They like to bring people in, and so they have a, um, Felix was able to forge a great relationship with them, and um basically said, and it was the one of those things that anyone who's ever worked with asylum seekers, especially unaccompanied minors, knows it, it's a day-by-day thing. They're not there, not oh, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, Catholic Charities. Nobody is there to say, oh, how can we help you with your long-term planning? Um, they are responding in the moment. Things are changing daily. And this particular situation was changing daily. And so for Felix, it was a matter of like, I don't know if we're going to get to go in today. I really hope so. I've got all my Bibles ready. And every day he would just have to kind of keep showing up, hoping that today was the day. Right. Okay. So a lot of these kids inside there, I mean, especially kids from Central America, they either come from um, Catholic or evangelical families. So a lot of these kids would say, I know who Jesus is. Yeah. Absolutely. And what he found, and this is something that we're finding over and over again, is that spiritual people need spiritual care. And the in the camps um, where people were waiting during the Remain in Mexico program, in detention, these are people who have vibrant spiritual lives and are longing to be ministered to on those terms. And so Felix felt this drive to get in there and meet those particular needs, because it wasn't just about um, sharing the gospel with people who do not know Christ. It was about people who are longing to be pastored because they are accustomed to being pastored. And so he really felt a, a call to get in there and to minister to the people of God in, the, um, in as much as he wanted to get in there and share the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he ends up saying, you know, uh, agreeing to the the terms that the Catholic Church, Catholic Charities had set up. Um, They were able to go into the Colosseum and uh, talk about what happened. I mean, how do you, what do you do? What did they do when they got in there? You're you're trying so hard to get in, and then you finally get in, and you're like, well, now what? Well, and what's amazing is he was like, we didn't know what we were, you know, it's not like somebody (laughs) sits you down and does an orientation. Yeah, here's a point. yeah, he walks in, and he said pretty quickly it became clear that he has a he's uh, a coach. He coached uh, football for a while, and so he like has this magnetism. And basically, they kind of turned to him and they're like, "Do you want to talk to the kids?" And so he said he was just ready with whatever the spirit led him to say. And um, before long, it was clear that he and he did also speak Spanish, and that was they were able to form a pretty great bond. And so, for the month or so, few weeks or so that he was getting to go in there, like pretty quickly, Eric said when Felix would come in, the kids would run to him That's and cool. want to talk. 
So, Becca, this was a, just a temporary facility, right? I mean, the, this, thing, this thing right now is dispersed, but for a while, this had to be a hub of great activity. And especially you got two guys like Eric and Felix going in there and presenting the gospel and just being a lifeline for these kids to bring them the good news. I, I mean, I just can't imagine the excitement and the energy that was going on inside there. What's, yes, and what even got more amazing is that they did manage to create two worship services. Wow. Essentially, they rallied some Young Life volunteers and brought them in to do music, and um, it wasn't the wacky, goofy, fun life, uh, Young Life that we're all used to, you know, that many people are familiar with. It was much more sober, mm. um, but at the same time, um very emotional and very full of um, life and joy, but definitely more of that joy in the midst of great uncertainty. And so they were able to just get volunteers in there. And it was one of those up to the last minute. I tried to go in with them, but they had a media block. I mean, it was, it was flying by the seat of our pants in many ways, their pants. And, um, planning as best they could but oh and then there's the great part of the story where a kid had his shoes stolen on the way out another child took his shoes with him and so Felix said we're going to get you new shoes and they end up getting new shoes because the kids only have the government issued like sandals um getting new shoes for all these kids and bringing them in it's it became this kind of humanizing yeah component that the the government can't always provide they're doing protocols and whatnot and this became this very human interaction for the kids right and that's why we loved your article is that your article is doing the same thing because immigration to most people in america is a political issue and not a human issue. it's not a human issue and so people can go on twitter or they can go on facebook or whatever their social media platform is or to their neighbor next door and complain about immigration policy and complain about how terrible the government is how terrible this president is or how terrible the last president is but there are few and i mean unbelievably few people who are actually on the border doing face-to-face work that actually matters, really reaching out to people who need it. And that's why this story just gripped us and why we're so happy you were able to join us today. Just to give us a picture, Becca, of the fact that there are real people who are doing, there are real people Mm -hmm. that are going beyond politics who don't even care about it, who just want to minister, just want to meet, just want to share real faith, real joy with an actual kid. Yeah. And I will say that the the image that gripped me from the, cause I did get to see some of what was going on inside. Um, the kid who had his little lanyard on, they have lanyards with their names and he had his teddy bear that would hang on his, on his lanyard. And you're just going, Oh my gosh, this is, this is still a kid that carries a teddy bear. Yeah. And um, that to get close enough to be able to see that, that's, I think that Jesus calls us to be proximate to people. And that's what these folks are doing on the border. And I do think that um, everything changes when it's done within touching distance. Yeah. I mean, this is not someone that's an an evil person or something that's nefarious. This is a child of God. And uh, they need the care and the love and the grace that you and I have as well. Absolutely. That's Becca McNeil. Thanks, Becca. 
Thank you guys for sharing the story. Our pleasure. Beck is a journalist based in San Antonio, Texas. We're talking about the article she wrote for Christianity Today called When God Opened a Coliseum, Young Life Ministers Were Ready. Take a quick break. When we do come back, it's our daily feature. Does this make sense? It might. It might today. At Grove City College, dare I say things are back to normal? I mean, that's probably not accurate because nothing is back to normal. But just over the weekend, I was talking to some students who were on campus at Grove City and they were saying, wow, like this fall has been fun for them because there were all of these activities that have been happening that they weren't able to do last year because of COVID, right? And like this weekend was the first football game. So the whole student body was there for a whiteout. There are all sorts of activity fairs and stuff going on with different arts groups and fraternities, sorority, whatever it is. People are living like the fun things about college. Now, the terrific thing about Grove City is last year when COVID was at its peak, there were still classes going on and there were still in-person classes going on. So the relationships that students were able to have with professors, I mean, it was different because of masking and all of that, but it still happened. And that's really wonderful thing. Um, but a lot of the social things didn't happen. And that is kind of coming around again this year in spite of the continuing threat from COVID. And I really think that's because of the commitment of the leaders and the administration at the campus wanting to do the very best they can for the kids that are there. If you've got a kid, you're interested in a university setting that is of high integrity, look at Grove City College, gcc.edu. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7-365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Pittsburgh, one of America's top 10 most livable cities. We're also on another top 10 list you might be less familiar with, human trafficking, where women are enslaved and sold like property in the criminal sex trade. But the good news is that Refuge for Women is now here in our city, the largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, providing up to two years of safe housing and round-the-clock care for women escaping sexual exploitation. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org slash Pittsburgh. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. Partly cloudy skies for tonight, low 53. Warm tomorrow with sunshine giving way to clouds. Temperatures more typical of late summer. We'll see a high tomorrow of 78. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and warm. A thunderstorm in spots late with a low of 63. Friday, we'll see intervals of clouds and sunshine. It will be humid and remain warm with a passing shower. We'll reach a high of 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Makes sense. 
Does what make sense? YouTube ads. <laughs> like the ads that yeah. pop up right. when you're just about to watch your video right. or one step worse. You're watching a, you know, a live recorded, but you know, a live music video of your favorite band. And in the middle of like a great song, yeah. an ad pops in. Well, I would say the ads are a necessary, not evil, but a necessary thing to prop up YouTube. Now, uh, imagine 30 years ago, mm -hmm. someone saying to you, you could go somewhere and type in whatever you want, a music video or what, and there would be, would you gladly give up 30 seconds of your time to do that? And you would say, absolutely. Yeah. Well, now I feel ungrateful. <laughs> well, that was short lived. Mm -hmm. But all I'm saying is this, John. It makes sense, Karen. No. It what I'm purpose. saying is, I, do you watch them? The commercials? If they pop up in the middle of a music video, you're watching a live concert. Are you watching the video? Are you watching the ad? Yeah. I feel contractually bound mm, to nope. do so. I do. Mm. I do. However, I do appreciate this. Uh, like, say, like you, you watch, we have Hulu. Yeah. Hulu, uh, they have like the little counter. The, the commercials counting down, what, like like the YouTube thing. Yeah, yeah. I just mute the sound because it's like ninety seconds or something. Right. I just mute the sound, and then you know I'd go about my whatever I'm doing, and then come back. So I That's appreciate fine. that little aid. That's fine. That aid is skip helpful. the commercial. It doesn't make sense. You know why? Why? Because you're muting it. It makes it's, sense. No, it doesn't make you're sense. Paying you're paying for your yeah, interaction. To yeah, be, exactly. You're, it's, it's not helping the company because they're trying to advertise to you and you're muting it. Somebody else is listening. I don't think they are. That's why I'm saying it doesn't make sense. All right. All right does this make sense? Cheese whiz. Oh. Listen. <laughs> Cheese whiz. Yeah. Liquid at room temp. Makes sense to you? Mm -mm. What? No. Stop. Cheese Stop. is solid. Cheese is solid. So at room temperature, it's supposed to be solid. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be liquidy when you open up the jar. What do you think? When I was in college and I had a few extra bucks, I considered this the height of fine dining. A box of Triscuits, a long stick of pepperoni, and a big old jar of Cheese Whiz. And I'd get a Triscuit with a blob of cheese whiz and a slice of pepperoni. I thought I was like living in Beverly Hills. I love cheese whiz. Now, as an adult. Yeah, how much are you eating that? Not at all. It's been decades. Right. So, but I see my kids eat it. Mm -hmm. So for a certain. Demographic at a certain time College in your kids, life, it makes a lot of sense. YouTube ads? I don't think so. I like cheese whiz. 101.5 WORD Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends with the best new music new, new, new music Life is good new music from Courtney Ramirez Promised Land from Toby Mac Yeah I'm wondering where's my promised land And Rejoice from Andrew Rip the best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. 
but it turns out not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. One listener that stands out that I worked with was this older couple that was interested in refinancing. They reached out to a few different lenders and, you know, their credit wasn't the best. I know some of these other bigger banks, you just won't hear back from them, which I cannot stand. Not everybody has the 780 credit scores and just because you don't qualify at one time doesn't mean that you'll never qualify. I'll walk you through what you have to do, whether it's two, three, six months from now. Back to that older couple, we worked with them for months and months to improve their credit. And we were able to get the loan done. We were saving them hundreds each month, thousands of dollars a year, finally got themselves into a situation financially that they can handle and they could start saving money each month for retirement. End of the day, they just could not be happier, which just put a huge smile on my face. We our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Meadow, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Federal Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. It's hard to imagine the human trafficking industry is as big as it is. It's harder to imagine that Pittsburgh is one of the top 10 cities in which it's happening. But we can change that because Refuge for Women is now here. As the nation's largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, they provide up to two years of safe housing and 24-hour specialized care at no charge to the women they serve. An expensive undertaking, but worth the effort. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org slash Pittsburgh. Help DEA keep our community safe and healthy by participating in National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day, Saturday, October 23rd. Take action right in your own home by cleaning out your family medicine cabinet of unused and expired prescription drugs. Keep them safe, clean them out, take them back. To find a collection site near you, visit DEATakeBack.com. Do your part to lower overdose deaths and prevent prescription drug misuse before it starts. That's DEATakeBack.com. Having a place to go after school will make you a better student. Having an outlet to express yourself will make you a better artist. Having something to do together will make you a better family. At The Y, we're helping build better friends, listeners, writers, swimmers, scientists, and musicians one chance at a time. Get the gift of opportunity. Support The Y at ymca.net. The Y for a better us. So at the church I attend, I think like a lot of churches, right? It's like a yo-yo kind of thing, right? Um, we were closed for a, a chunk of the pandemic, and then we were opened back up again, you know, with, uh, you had to wear a mask, and, and gladly. I, I just want to go back to church. I was happy to see everybody, to be in worship with my community. And then, you know, we went through a period where we're like, okay, you can get rid of your masks, which is fabulous. I mean, you know, there it is. Great. We're back to, you know, in air quotes, normal. But then a few months after that, maybe just not even a few months, maybe two months, they were like, you know what? Things are kind of funky again. Um, We're going to mandate masks. So, you know, the weird thing is, you know, you kind of go initially whenever we first went back, 
a tiny percentage of your friends were there, you know, and then we started to build. The word got out. Hey, man, we're back again. And people started to get hungry and they started to come back. And then we were wearing masks and then we weren't wearing masks and then we were wearing masks again. And then when we hit that area where we were, we're going to wear masks again, I mean, I, a good friend of mine, she, she's fabulous. And she was like, I'm out of here because this is crazy. This, this is like fear. You know, everyone's afraid. So I'm not coming back or I'll come back whenever you're not going to wear a mask again. Well, I get that. I mean, I, I, I do. I get it. You know, but at the same I mean, time. nobody likes wearing a mask. No. I, which we've said 10,000 times in the last year and a half. Nobody likes wearing no. a mask. And so I, I get that. I mean, I, yeah, I, people are upset about it. So. But does that mean that we either withdraw completely? No. Or does that mean that we we start to look at the people who are making those decisions as somehow like the enemy? Right, because these people, I've been with these, you know, people, my friends for a long, long time, and I love these guys, you know, I do. And what about the people who lead your church? I love them too. And you know what? They're just trying to follow along and try to be good stewards to make sure that everyone's good. That's all. It's not, and I don't believe it's like some political thing or no one, but like all things, in this era that we live in, it's become contentious and it's made people angry and upset and finger pointing. And, you know, I'm not coming back. And you guys are a bunch of sheep. How can you be a, a sheep just going along with what, you know, the church is saying? And, you know, that oh, you're following the CDC guidelines. You're a bunch of why would you even do that? We're not coming back to church ever again. And so it becomes some kind of ideological standoff where all of a sudden uh, you want to be in community and worship and be with people that you know and love together like you've been together for years and now all of a sudden there's like a hard line that's drawn where i'm showing up at church and i'm less than because i'm a sheep and i'm choosing to wear a mask like we've been asked to do and those other guys my buddies are like going pointing the finger like you know calling names or whatever and we're never coming back and I love those guys, and I know that they love me. Right. So when you look at situations like this, and that's a real-life example in John's you know, social circle, we all can think of instances where we were on one side of that conversation or the other side of that conversation. In Here, society and yes, in the church. Yeah, and in public. Right. And my question is this. Why are we always drawn in to thinking that people on the other side – People who disagree with us are the enemy. That's my question. The enemy. David French is with us. David's a senior editor at The Dispatch, which is a daily newsletter, I would say, that we love. It's in our mailbox every morning around 7 a.m. He's also an attorney practicing in constitutional law, a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom, and a New York Times bestselling author. Hey, David, you walked in the middle of this conversation about contentiousness. I did. I did. And my goodness, what an important conversation. This is... Um, you know, what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I keep going back to a conversation that I had with a collection of, of really, uh, prominent and thoughtful pastors more than a decade ago. I mean, about 15 years ago, I'll never forget it. We were in a conference room in New York talking about cultural developments in American Christianity. And one of them said this, 
I've noticed a profound change. He said, it used to be that, especially amongst younger Christians, we could disagree about important things and remain friends. I'm noticing increasingly that agreement is a prerequisite to friendship. And I thought I've not forgotten that. And I have noticed that more and more and more and more that agreement is a prerequisite for friendship. And what ends up happening, there are two things that happen when, when that's the case. One is it's actually an expression of a lot of arrogance to sort of hold that view. Cause it says that we as very limited human beings who have limited knowledge about a whole host of topics are in a position to say that we're so correct. We're so correct that it is not worth a close relationship mm-hmm. with people yeah. who are incorrect. Right. And, and then the other thing that it does is a practical matter is it just contradicts the example of Jesus. Um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting when you think about Jesus and his disciples, he spent his entire ministry uh, with people who not only didn't understand his ministry fully, right. but he knew that in the ultimate moment, we're going to be, by and large, nowhere to be found. Uh, and one of them, one of them was actually going to betray him, and another one, Peter, was actually going to abandon him in his hour of ultimate need. And yet, he he not only hung in relationship with those people, he died for them. <laughs> he died for them. And so there's a couple of ways in which, you know, it's, it's both that, it's that arrogance that says, I know enough to know that you are not worth a relationship if you disagree with me. And also this, this sort of contradiction of the biblical example yeah. of Jesus and the cross, that's just so damaging about the Christian, the atmosphere and parts of the church today. David, you have written, I don't know, maybe you started writing a year and a half ago, maybe longer ago, about negative partisanship. And yeah. um, negative partisanship, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll throw out a definition of it. I, I think that, you know, when I think of the term, I think that I, if I'm in one camp, I look at the other camp and all I can think of are all of the things that they don't like about me. And that's right. what that camp is like. And they hate me and they hate everything I stand for. And that's why I hate them. And yeah. your research, David, has shown that the actuality, the reality of that isn't what we assume. Can you talk about it a bit? Yeah. What's really fascinating is that at large scale, we're actually wrong about our political opponents, that the average Republican believes the average Democrat is much more extreme than he or she really is. And then here's what's especially interesting. The more engaged – a person is with politics and political media, the more wrong they are about <laughs> their political opponents. Oh, that's, good. that's so great. They think that's their good. opponents are more extremist than they really are. They think their opponents hate them more than they really do. And so you have a lot of people running around on you know Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, who are, well, I've done my research and this is what the Democrats are like. And what their research, their research is actually doing is deceiving them. Mm-hmm. It's deceiving them. And the people who are most right about their political opponents are the people who get their ideas about their opponents from these, you know, really antiquated things called friendships. 
they're, they're the ones who are most right. 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 Okay. So, but so let's go back to the original topic or the original kind of like petri right. dish we were looking at, which was you know John's group of friends at his church. Um, we can do that. It doesn't have to be political parties. Negative partisanship yeah. can happen with people who disagree about masking at Sunday worship. Oh, ab- and, and in fact, it's happening at scale across the country. And, you know, look, I have I have friends who oppose masking and I have friends who support masking. I I have friends who are Democrats. I have friends who are Republicans. One of my closest friends in the world is a guy that I served with in Iraq who is about as different from me as human you can humanly be. I mean, I'm a white evangelical conservative. He is a Mexican-American former Catholic, former Mormon agnostic progressive. <laughs> uh, we a lot spent, of adjectives, when I was in our, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a unique guy. I, we spent a lot of our, our, our deployment in Iraq. This was 07, 08, when I was supporting uh, Mitt Romney in the primaries, and he was all about Barack Obama. I, when we redeployed home, I used some of my law school connections to get him great tickets to the Obama inaugural and what, how does he repay me? He sends me a video from the inaugural of the George of George W. Bush's helicopter leaving the White House while he sings the <laughs> goodbye song. Love you. And, oh, that's harsh. And he's flying from Germany to my house tomorrow for us to get together with other friends from Iraq for a reunion. We haven't seen each other in two years. And these guys are, we're all over the place politically. And these guys are close to me as brothers. And we're losing that. And, and what it requires to do that, what it requires to have those relationships is it requires grace and actual tolerance, actual mm-hmm. tolerance. We, we've kind of messed up that what the definition of tolerance is. It's sort of we've reframed it as sort of affection. But tolerance is actually tolerance actually means accepting people in spite of things mm-hmm. that you might profoundly disagree with. So David, and so we, we've, we've lost that. But there you are, David, and I would say that you're on the front lines, probably more than most people, on the cultural wars. And But there's the church. I mean, if the church can't get it right, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus. And we're fighting about masks on Sunday morning. And you hold a grudge against somebody that you know and you love and you've been together and you've worshipped together. Something is deeply misconstrued yeah. with our society. Yeah. You know, and look, I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing that people should remain in relationships with people who are actively trying to harm them. Yes. You know, because I have seen that, that there are people actually, they get so angry, they will actually try to harm you emotionally um, at extremes, physically, you know, that actually happens in this world, but they actually try to harm you emotionally. They actually try to undermine you, actually try to destroy you, break you down. In those circumstances, sometimes you just have to say, I love you, but I cannot be present in your life. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we we have to, no matter what happens, maintain friendships. But what I am saying is that, you know, I was at another meeting of pastors. I tend to be at a lot of meetings of pastors, even though I'm not a pastor. And we were talking about how do we interact? What's our strategy for approaching the world? What's What's the strategy that we have right now? And people are talking about this approach politically, this approach culturally, a lot of really interesting and good ideas. And this pastor said, have we tried the fruits of the spirit? <laughs> it's like, what? Well, when you say it like that, uh, that sounds kind of obvious. Yeah. But, you know, you can, if you think about it, you can tolerate a lot of disagreement. 
if your relationship is characterized by kindness, patience, self-control, you know, all of these virtues, you can tolerate a lot of differences. It's when the fruits of the spirit fall away, when instead of kindness, it's cruelty, when self-control, it's angry impulsiveness, when it's gentle, instead of gentleness, it's harshness. That's when these things start to degrade. It's not necessarily yeah. the underlying substantive disagreement it's the manner of the yep. disagreement that starts to yep. crush us and listen i think that going back to what we talked about at the start david i think a lot of it just has to do with our overwhelming belief in our own correctness i really do <laughs> yeah. i think there's such a like profound lack of humility this is such a gigantic world an enormous uncountable cosmos that we're in and we talk like we understand exactly a hundred percent of what we're talking about all the time. No, I, you're, you're completely right. I mean, you know, there's scripture even directly rebukes that mindset. It says, we know in part, we see right. through a glass darkly. So we're, we're, that mindset is directly rebuked. Ma- Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of you? O man, what is good act justly, mm-hmm. love mercy, walk humbly. But here's the tricky thing. Sometimes we are exactly right. Sometimes we're right. (laughs) And yet when somebody is actually wrong in our lives, we love them. You know, the fruits of the spirit don't become optional when we are right and somebody else is wrong. So it's sort of, you know, both things at once. One, we're not as right as we think we are, which should give us humility. And the other one is even when we're right, we are to love people and, you know, bless those who persecute you. That's not saying because you deserve the persecution, I mean, you're, that you're deserving the persecution. You're still blessing those who persecute you. And when was that written? That was written when persecution was something really, really real in a way that we don't have in the United States. Not, not anywhere close. I'm into that. That's uh, really well said, David. Thanks for being with us. Before you do leave us, though, talk to our audience about the dispatch. Listen, we and what love you're about. David. What you guys are doing at this? Look how I just went. You asked David, and I decided to answer. <laughs> yeah. It's no, go so ahead. good, though. Go ahead, Kathy. It is so good. We read it every single day. Love it. It's just reasonable. That's what it is. Yeah. It's good reporting, and it's expressed reasonably. Well, that's the dispatch, y'all. That's <laughs> we I appreciate that very much, but. That was our entire goal when we started. We saw a media landscape that we thought was full of hyperbole and exaggeration and intentionally provocative. And so we, rather than condemn that media environment, we thought we'd try to build something better. And so we've built a, a news organization that is centered around fact-based um, reporting, analysis, and commentary. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. But it means we try really hard to cut through the partisan fog and figure out what's really going on. I'm into that. Well, great job to you and everybody else there. Congratulations on your two-year anniversary. Thank you. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Our pleasure. We appreciate you here being with us. David French from The Dispatch. We'll step away. We've got just a, a few minutes left in today's show. Something completely ridiculous. Kellogg's and Wendy's have partnered with a cereal. That's next. It's not good. Should I refinance or should I just ignore all these annoying commercials? Here's Uncle Ryan. 
I think of one friend in particular, he refinanced maybe three or four years ago. He got a very good interest rate at the time. And he's like, should I do it again? I don't want to be bothered with the hassle. And I looked into it. He originally three or four years ago did a 30 year loan. And with rates coming down over the last couple of years, we actually ended up putting him into a 20 year term. He cut about six or seven years off his mortgage and his payments stayed identical. Over the long haul, he's saving tens of thousands of dollars. And is it worth it? The answer is every single situation is different. So it's definitely worth it to look into, even if you have refinanced recently. Not only that, it might only take you personally an hour or two worth of work throughout the entire process. And we handle everything else. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Each year, thousands of women are enslaved and sold like property in the U.S., and Pittsburgh ranks among the top 10 cities for human trafficking. But that's about to change. Thanks to Refuge for Women, the nation's largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, providing safe housing and specialized long-term care free of charge to women escaping this criminal industry, an expensive undertaking, one that deserves our support. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org slash Pittsburgh. Did you know that Big Lou can vaccinate your entire estate from the virus known as Uncle Sam? That's right. Big Lou and Term Provider have the only single-dose solution in town, a $1 million term life insurance policy. Yep, a $1 million term life insurance policy with no side effects. One call to Big Lou can lead to an entire estate vaccination that will provide 100% guaranteed protection against estate taxes and debt, even if you are a bit porky or have a splash of sugar diabetes. In fact, a 50-year-old male may qualify for half a million dollars of coverage for less than 100 bucks per month. A million for less than 200 per month. Call Big Lou at Term Provider to get the service and price you deserve with zero side effects. Call 800-555-2085 right now. 800-555-2085. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He follows the science, too. Call 800-555-2085 or visit BigLou.com. Big Lou doesn't give tax advice. Are you interested in helping people with addiction? Do you want to help others through private practice counseling? Wayne's University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Counseling degree, as well as a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision. Visit waysburg.edu. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you are searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. talking a little bit ago about uh, Wendy's and the uh, frosty treat. I think it's fabulous. It's been a long time since I've had one. Yeah, I mean, it's been years since I've had one. But I do love a frosty. I mean, you know, <laughs> I get not do down. they still have the vanilla ones? Because those are good, too. I, I always thought it was just chocolate. No, there was a really? vanilla one for a while. All right, well, listen to this. Big news for those of us who love cereal. The Kellogg's Company bringing a familiar fast food treat to the breakfast bowl with its new Wendy's frosty chocolatey cereal. Oh, that's... That's that'll, so bad. That'll get your heart pumping at 7 a.m. Hmm? You know what that isn't? Hmm. Kashi. <laughs> or healthy. Created in collaboration with the Wendy's Company, the limited edition ready-to-eat cereal contains chocolate-flavored marshmallow pieces <laughs> mixed with coca-coated <laughs> multi-grain cereal pieces. The cereal evokes the irresistible taste of Wendy's Frosty, the company said. Each one-and-a-half-cup serving contains 150 calories and 17 grams of sugar. 
17 grams. One and a half what? cups. It's just small. Well, it's kind of like uh, Count Dracula. That's serious. Count Chocula. Count Chocula. Which okay, is right, different right, than right, Count right. Dracula. Count Chocula. Right. right. I think there's marshmallow. It's the same sort of thing, right? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that's bad. What we call breakfast in America, you guys, is bad news. I mean, would you rather have that or an Egg McMuffin? Well, definitely an Egg McMuffin. You should probably have, like, Kashi, though. Kashi. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.